and welcome to the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast, and a huge welcome to my second guest on the show, Sean Gray. Welcome. Thank you. It's really, honestly, it's really freaking awesome to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. I really appreciate it. Of course. Um, so I guess, you know, my first thing that I like to say when I have a person on the show is, how the, how the fuck do I know this person? It's like, what, <laughs> why is this person here? <laughs> so um, Sean's a yoga teacher, and he was my yoga teacher for probably about like a year and a half. I was going pretty consistently. Yes. And um, he is, I took his class last night, and I haven't been to your class in, in quite some time because um, my life has gotten so insane. And while like our culture seems to be um, shrinking in the sense of but like we can't do long things anymore, like we can't take a two hour yoga class or three hour yoga class. So while your uh, trajectory of your classes have been getting longer, they went from like an hour and a half to now two hours on the weekends. I, I just didn't have that time anymore, and so I'm not like taking 15 minute yoga classes now, or I'm just like doing yoga at home. But I did take your yoga class last night. Um. And I was reminded how powerful your classes are. And there's a depth. We were talking about this before you came on here because you seemed a little nervous about coming on here. And I wanted to tell you one of the things that I wanted to talk about. And I was reminded by um, there, there's a huge arc in your class. It's, it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. And you have to be patient. There was no music in your class. There were no distractions. It was you being the teacher, a few students, and you just got to get through it. And, and, and you take your time. And it was, I've gotten to the point where I'm doing nothing but like an hour classes. The music is blasting. And I love that kind of stuff. But um, you reminded me about what it can feel like to have a teacher that takes his time and takes you on a journey in class. And, um, I mean, I'm complimenting you, but what are you, what are you, what are you feeling or thinking as I'm saying these things to you? <clears throat> well, first of all, thank you. Um, it's good to know that you have that experience because that's my intention. Um, I believe a yoga practice is a journey. And it does have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And what we do between the beginning and the end is really how we move through everything in life. Because it's, I believe, it's all a journey. And if we practice with intention and provide the space for ourselves to go deeper to explore further and to open and surrender more, then we can really see how we do things, what we're doing. Is it in alignment with our highest potential? And if not, how can I shift that from this point until that yeah. end of the journey, that Shavasana, that final rest. So it absolutely is a journey. And what I'm thinking right now as, as you're saying this is that, and part of the reason why, you know, you, um, this podcast is new. 
but I feel um, yoga teachers are more important now than ever. And all the things that you're talking about, um, based on our culture now and what's happening, um, we need good yoga teachers more than ever. Um, and I'm not talking about just, you know, the yoga teachers where, um, you know, it's, it's, it's sure a lot of classes just have a fitness appeal to them. People are going there to sweat, get out and leave. But there are some teachers that, yeah, I mean, I like working hard in a class, but I think it's really important to, you know, I was thinking about, you know, a marathon runner. They don't just run freaking 26 miles. You know, there's preparation. There's, uh, they're taking care of their body before, during, and then after the race is over, they don't just freaking stop running and then they just go home and go to bed. I mean, there's posts, you know, run, whatever they have to do to take care of their bodies. And I just, I felt that yesterday, um, taking your class. It just, it feels like you're aware of the whole process, not just, you know, holding warrior two for a few minutes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about building more awareness on how we do things, what we're doing, um, what we're experiencing while we're doing them, um, is what we're doing, what, we could be doing for the future that we'd like to create for ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it can be anything we want that we need it to be. It could allow us the space to explore any area of our life. Um, you know, and it can be physical too. Yeah. You know, it can go as deep or as not deep. Yeah. As you want it to. You know, the way that I teach the way that I do because I want to have a strong body. I want to have a flexible body. So I can do the things that I enjoy doing with this body for sure. as long as I can. I mean, you started out as an athlete and I was reading about you and, um, like what were, what sports did you do or what were you doing in college or in your twenties? I know you surf obviously, but before <clears throat> yoga, you were, um, like what, what were you doing before you got into yoga? Uh, I was, I've always been a runner, um, my entire life. Uh, I was a swimmer. Um, I started doing triathlons. I did a few triathlons. Uh, I just really enjoyed the training for them. Um, as you mentioned, uh, I've been a surfer since I was a kid. Um, so I've always been active. I used to play sports growing up. I've always been active. And so the transition into yoga was, you know, covered in resistance. Sure. Um, I enjoyed what I did. I liked it. I liked the training for triathlons. I loved the run that I did, I had a, a beautiful run. And but did you ever have, did you ever think that yoga was going to become this important to you? I mean, you, um, but what got, what got you into the, part of the reason why, um, Sean, I, I ended up doing my teacher training with Tamal Dodge in Culver city. And I remember specifically, you know, I, did I want to do yoga works? Um, but there was something about, um, there's, there's something that felt corporate to me about yoga works. It felt like a system and I didn't want to do my training there. And I was on, on sort of on the fence of what to do. 
And I was taking your class pretty regularly at the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking you about him. And I didn't know this, but then you responded saying, well, Tamal's the guy that I did before Yoga Works training. Um, I did my training with Tamal. And so, so how did that, I mean, how do you go from athlete to, um, you know, walk into a yoga class to then you're doing a training and this is actually pretty serious and you're taking this, you know, pretty seriously. And by the way, let me emphasize something. Sean's sitting here very like calm and chill. Uh, and he probably sounds like he's just sitting there with his legs crossed and very relaxed. And he's, he's also, he actually laughs a lot and has a good time in his class. And I know that's not coming through right now, but I just, there we go. I heard a Sean Gray laugh just for a moment. So um, I just I just had to say that because he is sort of a goofball, but right now that persona is not coming out. And well, part of the reason I did these this I, look, you know, if you're listening to my show, that I'm doing these podcasts because um, I want to sell millions of copies of my book when it's finally done. But no, seriously, agents, you know, you know that agents think that you know writers should have podcasts, but I also wanted to be deeper than that. I wanted our world now. We're not like. We're, we're unsure of how to be because of Instagram and, and, and what, what persona should we be right now? And I, I get that yoga is very serious, but sometimes like, it's okay if people laugh in a yoga class. And I just wanted you to realize that Sean also, um, while his class has a, has a depth to it, um, He's also, he, he tell, he, I mean, he's, he's a smartass, just like I am. <laughs> well, you have to enjoy yourself. That's yeah. another part of the practice, which I think is very important, is to really learn how to enjoy ourselves. And because this is our journey. This is our, this, is our, this is our interview right now. This is our day. Um, and during the practice, this is our time. Yeah. You know, and... We have the fortune enough to decide what we do at any given moment. Yeah. We could do whatever we want. And so why are people spending so much time on Instagram then with their free time? Well, it's just, you know, everybody wants something different. Than what they have in their current lives? Well, I, I don't know about necessarily if I can speak on what the happiness in other people's lives mean. I can only... Um, observe their actions and what they decide to do and make, you know, my assessment from that. Yeah. Um, but I can speak on my happiness and um, that doesn't necessarily make me happy. You know, the... Like what's happened? Or what do you mean? Well, I don't know. It's, um, you know, it's an interesting thing because everybody wants something different. So... If that's what their happiness is, then, huh. you know, hey, you know, let's, let's be, at least they're happy. And yeah. if that's what they're doing and that's what they're doing, that's cool. Um, they're not doing any harm, you know. I, well, let me ask you a question, not to put you on the spot, but I had somebody here last week on the show. She's a woman. Um, and she, her reaction to all the pretty pictures on Instagram is... Um, a lot of insecurity, and she mentioned um, a lot of her friends, mostly women. She said the guys didn't really have this response, but most of her women friends actually feel pretty shitty after they look at Instagram for like five, ten minutes. Yeah, and, and so I, I don't know. I well, yeah, it's how we relate to things. Yeah, 
You know, it's it's how we're related to the, relating to the information that we're receiving. And what's wrong, well, I won't say what's wrong, but what's happening is that's how people are relating to it. Like that is a, not only a form of relation, but a major that I, I know lots of people that do that. Yeah. Megan stopped using it for that very reason. I remember actually, I, just, I took Calvin's class a while ago and I think we were, we hadn't seen each other for a while. And I was like, oh, you know, you should, you know, let's connect on Instagram or something. And she was like, no, I don't do it anymore. And she was very adamant about like, um, I don't want to put words, I don't remember, it was a while ago. But it felt like she was having negative reactions to it. Well, I mean, it's the nature of the beast of whatever mass marketing media is popular of the time. Yeah. That's just what's popular of today. You know, beforehand, it was something else. You know, it was the magazines. I remember that it was the day of the magazines. Right. You know, and before that, it was, you know, the television you know, and it was, it's whatever that the major form of media is. Now it's social media because it's free for the most part and accessible. It's in everybody's hand. So that's just what's getting out there. And, you know, this goes as, as you would say, as deep as we want to go. Because if we want to look at the psychology behind that, which within our system and our culture, you know, it's, it's scary. Yeah. Honestly, it's scary. Um, but it's the nature of pop culture. It's just, it's, this isn't anything new. This is just a new expression of it. Um, you know, we can choose to frown upon it or, give it uh, uh put a judgment place judgment upon it that is negative or find some type of way to have conflict with it yeah i'm guilty of that I, I admit or we can allow it to be an expression for people that are trying to do whatever it is that's making them happy in that moment and as long as they're not doing anybody any harm right like hey more power to you. You know, I'm friends, personal friends with a lot of these people with, you know. No, I know. I, I, millions I, of followers. Yes. Oh, I know. And, you know, if that's what is making them happy and from the times that we speak, it is like they love their lives. Yeah. You know, they they love what they're doing. Um, they love that they get to use this platform in order to make that happen for themselves. And if, even if that is an inspiration for all these people to start to express themselves, I'll, although it may be in a very like created false sense of self sort of way, like, you know, a different image on your social media than what you actually live in right. and so forth. Even if that's the case, at least they're expressing themselves. If they're not doing any harm, you know, as, you know, I always go back to the chant for peace, Loka, Samasta, Suki, Nubabantu. May all of my thoughts, words, and actions contribute to the peace and happiness for all. Yeah. So 
if they're putting out words of inspiration to others for them to maybe express themselves in new ways, artistic ways, awesome. Unfortunately, there is dark expressions within this as well, which are the harmful side, but that's been in pop culture since the beginning of time as well. It's a part of our culture. Um, it's, you know, very expressive of where our culture is. Um, and hopefully we get to, you know, continue to evolve and grow. But, you know, I agree to your former point that now is a really good time that we get some good teachers out there that are teaching people how to live, you know, and not to necessarily how to, what to, all that, just how to be able to discern what their thoughts, their words, and their actions are contributing to. You know, we do have the opportunity to decide what we do in any given moment is what I'm doing in alignment with contributing to the peace and happiness for all. And if not, what is that serving? You know, it's, it's, it's hard for people to do. It's not, it's not easy. Um, because the easy way is never that I have found in my practice, I'll say. It's... It's not the feel-good way. Yeah. It's, it's work. Okay, so let's, let's just backtrack a little bit here. So you're like, how did you find... Um, how did you, like what was your experience with Tamal or how did you find him or or was he the one that really sort of inspired you to get into yoga and and um and and turn this life of yours into a, a world of a of a famous yoga teacher in Los Angeles well um i love tamal dodge he is by far one of my favorite people on the planet uh He's such a good he's man. Not, he's not listening to this anyway. So it's no, okay. no. <laughs> I, I, I truly do think he's a marvelous human being. Yeah. And he's definitely one of those people we want here. You know? Yeah. Um, doing what he does. He uh, is a great teacher. Um, I was honored to take my very first teacher training with him. Um, how... I came into yoga was very reluctantly. As I mentioned before, I had lots of resistance to it. I didn't think it was for me. I enjoyed what I was doing. But my body was getting tighter. Yeah. I could feel it getting tighter. I couldn't like really touch my toes anymore. And I remember being a kid going, being able to touch my toes. And here I was in my mid-20s and I can't touch my toes anymore. So I went to my first yoga class and uh, I hated it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why, what, what did you hate about it though? Um, well, it was really hard. It was much harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, I couldn't, you know, I, I was mid, in my mid twenties. Uh, the fact that I couldn't do everything was a very 
tough blow to the ego. Sure. Um, and it was uncomfortable. And which part? Everything. Everything. Yeah. How my body felt. Sure. How my head felt. How you know I felt I got kicked in the stomach. You know, it was it was tough. It was a tough class. I didn't go back for a while. Yeah. I well, didn't go back for a while. What got you to what did Tamal what did how did Tamal I mean did you already have a relationship with him? Were you guys like no, surfing no. buddies or what like No, with Tamal um I had taken his class a few times, a handful of times. Uh, I uh, at the time when I decided to take a yoga teacher training, I was coming off of not working for a while and during that time deciding that I needed to shift directions with what I was doing. And I decided to do yoga and did the teacher training. Uh, Tamal was holding a a teacher training at a yoga studio in Santa Monica and it was close to me. Right. Um, I went to the website. um, I saw that they were offering scholarships. I hadn't worked in, I think it was eight or nine, no, maybe maybe closer to a year I hadn't worked. Uh, And my savings was gone. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And uh, I was living in Brazil at the time. I was going back and forth to Brazil. And because I was able to live down there for less that I was working or living up here. Yeah. And I fell in love down there, learned the language, got involved in the culture. I had a blast. Yeah. Surfed a lot. Sure. Um, but I realized down there that I was going to do the, the yoga teacher training. Saw Tamal was offering a scholarship, applied for the scholarship. I said I didn't know exactly what um, makes someone eligible for a scholarship. I imagine it's lack of financial stability and intent of... Uh, purpose with the teacher training. Yeah. I said, I practice five days a week, four to five days a week as it is. Um, I enjoy the practice. I want to give this a shot. I want to change things. I want to see if this could do anything yeah. for me and yeah. with me. Yeah. And uh, he got back to me offering me a 50% scholarship for it, which I happily accepted. Sure. And then I went to the Southern Californian Indian Center. <laughs> uh, I am about I'm a, about a third Native American. I'm an enrolled member of the Lanai Lenape tribe. Okay. Um, out of Oklahoma, uh, so I was connected to a few Native American. Um, Groups that would help with finding health insurance and or benefits or, you know, getting your teeth clean and your eyes checked and, yeah. and, you know, physicals. And so I was connected to them. Asked it, I asked them if they would um, be able to pick up the other half of this tuition for the teacher training because I knew that they did offer um, grants to Native Americans that were doing... Um, you know, new trade type of training. Sure. They offered to pay for it. So I applied. Yeah. And I remember going to the office and, you know, she said, oh, we've never had anybody ask for this. And they said, let's see. Yeah. And so they asked and it was approved. 
Um, but oddly enough, so I went to Tamal and said, okay, I'm doing the training. I didn't have the other half yet right? from the Southern California Indian Center. I didn't yeah. have it yet. Yeah. But I was committed. I'm like, I have the, you know, they offered me the 50%. I told them what the deal was. I'm like, I'm, I've applied for this grant. I think I'm going to get it. Right. I'm not sure. Um, but I'd love to start this training. And if it doesn't happen, I'll figure it out. Right. Like, I'll, I'll figure it out. And they agreed. Wow. So I started the training. Uh, I think it was three or four weeks into the training. It came through. It was approved. Got the grant. Paid the other 50% of the teacher training. Yeah. Kept going. Um, had a blast with Tamal. Uh, he's, he's, he's really funny, that dude. You know, he's really funny. And then he sings at the end of his class. Yes, he does. Yeah, he and sings. And that's the thing. I think... Um, a friend of mine, also, I don't know if you know Matt, but a friend of mine told me about Tamal's class. Um, and same, very similar thing. It's, his class feels like a journey. You, you know, the, the, there's, you talk about intention at the beginning of class, and I don't think Tamal really brings up t- intention. I want to ask you about intention in a second, but hopefully I won't forget. But um, his class also feels feels like a journey you know there's a beginning i mean every class obviously has a a beginning middle and end but i guess his much like yours the beginning it feels like the beginning i mean there's space for it Mm -hmm. and there's space for the middle and there's space like last night when i took your class i mean there was a good 20 minutes of shavasana and pranayama and you know meditation and meditation and in tamal's class i mean he leaves space really I mean, literally and figuratively, there is space left for those parts. Yes. And so I, I felt that um, it made sense that he was your first teacher. You, you know, just the, the leg up to the sky, the, the knee to the tricep parts. And, you know, that, that's not a yoga works thing. That's a Tamal Dodge thing. And I'm sure Tamal learned it from maybe Brian Cast. I'm not sure who he learned it from or where, where the lineage in it is in that. But... It's obvious to me when I took your class that you weren't just influenced by yoga works. You and was it just Tamal Dodge, or is there something else that sort of influenced you as a teacher? Or, well, um, first and foremost, I would have to say the biggest influence uh, on my teaching has been the practice. Yeah, hands down. Well, what do you mean by that, though? The practice itself. So my practice that I take. Five days a week. Um, at home. At your home practice. At home. Yeah. Uh, right now. It hasn't always been at home. Uh, I used to practice... Um, well, to date it back to when things really changed for my practice, there have been two pivotal points within my life that have changed my practice and how I do things. The first is when I really made yoga a part of my life. There was a, 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 a yoga studio on Main Street, a big yoga studio. They had a, b- a bunch of big teachers. And they also had a um, spa on 2nd Street. And they did a 30-day unlimited yoga with these amazing teachers, unlimited spa use for 50 bucks. Okay. Sounds like a good deal. Done. Sounds like that was never going to happen. Where do I yeah, sign? Right. Here, do you take cash? Sure. 
I do take a 50. Okay. Like, how do I do this? I yeah. want to do it now. So I did that. I uh, ended was, up going 28 of the 30. Was this after your training with Jamal? No, this is far before, but the oh, two okay. pivotal points Got it. Okay. of yoga for me and my practice yes. is this 28 days. Right. Because it really became a part of my life. Sure. Not just something I did. And I never felt better. Yeah. Um, and that's when I knew yoga was it. That's what I was going to practice. I had to let go of the running. This, I didn't let go of the cycling so much because I used to ride around town as the way of commuting. Was there a teacher there specifically that you remember that was inspiring? No, not necessarily. It was the practice. It was the practice. It was the practice. Okay. There were a few teachers there that I enjoyed, but it was the practice, just having it and allowing it the space for me to move into and to observe how that movement is going and shifting things. I mean, my practices changed my life in 100% in every way. I... Well, tell me what I'm thinking of. What I'm, I want to say this story. So Sean, his practice, what's interesting about Sean's practice is that with, uh, I'm not Sean, but Sean has the ability with his body to do all of the acrobatic upside down poses that is glorified on Instagram all the time. Um, the interesting thing is, is that you don't really do that on Instagram. Um, you're, and I'm bringing this up because um, there is a depth to what you're doing. And I, when you're talking about your home practice, um, I can tell it means a lot to you because, um, you know, how do you, how do you portray that intimacy that you have with your practice? Like with, I mean, with social media or, you know, what, how do you get people to connect with what you're talking about if they don't step into your class and they have like, how, how do they, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's hard. Um, you know, you just speak from the heart and, you know, I practice or I speak about what I'm practicing and it's it's hard to have people i don't know i don't really focus on dr- attracting yeah you don't i just i just and why is that personal to ask because you could be one of those people that posts the i mean post the crazy poses all the time but you don't do that and I, I, if that's too personal of a question to ask, I, I, it's, I understand, but I just, I've noticed that you don't do that. I mean, sometimes I do, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely it's not, not about excessive. that. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's tough for me. It's hard for me to spend the time on the phone that you need to spend to really like make it happen for yourself in that platform. Right. I don't like to be on the screen that much. I enjoy what I do way more. Yeah. Um, I've had the fortune enough to be able to create a life that I absolutely love. And so in that life that I love doing, that doesn't involve screen time. Yeah. It doesn't. I don't spend much time on it at all. My family, everybody 
makes fun of me and hates me for it because I'm the worst at taking pictures. <laughs> I, go, I go on all these big trips to these amazing places and I don't have a picture. Yeah. Because I don't think of pulling out my phone or I try, I try to get good. There, there are some mo- times and trips where I do okay, but I don't think about that. Yeah. I enjoy what I'm experiencing. And that's a part of the practice that I've learned is you're doing it. <laughs> you're choosing to do that position, that asana. You've chosen to go to that class to be guided by that teacher. You've dis- you drove the car, parked it, you put on the clothes, you picked, you did everything. Yeah. Enjoy it. Cuz it's going to be gone. Yeah, I think that's really um been a huge part of my life recently is is the idea of it seems like I'm over achieving in the sense that I'm teaching I'm DJing, I'm writing a book, I'm going back into the studio this week to start working on another record, and um, I start this podcast. I think deep down, part of what's going on is I'm realizing that, I mean, I have a little a long ways to go, but you know, I, I think I'm also thinking about time and how we don't have much time. And while I feel like people are spending their time doing things that don't really matter or aren't that deep whether it's Instagram, whether it's, um, you know, looking at shit advertisements. I mean, the world wants, you know, people to be looking at our cell phones all the time. And I just want to be doing things that are more valuable than that. And I think whether... You just do them. Yeah. You you just do them. But I do think there was a shift in my brain the last, like year and a half, two years, maybe. I just wanted to be doing more valuable things in my life. And um, it sounds cliche. Um, and I started teaching yoga a while ago. Not to, not, not close to being as, as experienced of a yoga teacher as you are. But I have tasted those moments where people actually look up to me or think that I know what I'm talking about. And it's it's, I mean... It's, I mean, I'm no doctor, but there is this connection that they do trust you when, when they walk into the room. Yeah. And they, they, can, they can smell a phony also. And, and that's, um, that's why I try to be, like, be the sarcastic, smart-ass um, person on Instagram, but also have depth and be you know, real about what I'm experiencing and... Um, I just think hearing your story about your home practice, you're very serious about it and it's very personal. And, you know, I joked because, you know, you, you come across and having an intensity to you. Um, but I also wanted to make sure people know that you're also fun and, and like to have a good time, but you take this, you, you seem to take it very seriously. And is that how you... Um, is it in a response to what's happening or like, or is it just something you've always taken seriously? Because one more thing, and I'm sorry to interrupt the words that you say in class, nine times out of 10, they make a lot of sense. 
And that's one of the hardest things for me to do. And I think maybe that's another reason why I think the art of having a conversation is really challenging. And maybe you're probably a good communicator because you already teach yoga, but the things that you say in class, they really do resonate. And I, I, I and so this goes back to my point about you just, you take it, you take it seriously. You, you have, there's a lot of pride in the way that you teach. Well, thank you. I do, um, for the lack of a better way to say it, I do take what I do seriously because this is what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Sure. Um, and I give it my all. I give everything that I do my all, whatever that um, requires or is, you know, needed for that moment in order to enjoy it as much as possible, um, but do the work when we need to. Because um, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to untangle. There's a lot to figure out. And, you know, our culture is a perfect example of how much work there is actually out there to do. Yeah. It's the reason why you started it off by saying that we need good teachers. You know, we need, you know, people to be authentic and express themselves and learn from it and be observant of how our words and actions and thoughts can have a reaction or a, an effect on others. And is it in alignment hmm. with what we want? I mean, is it coming from love or not from shadow? You know, because in any given moment, that's where we're coming from. Yeah. Is this, and you know, it's tricky because we learn from our actions, we learn from our expressions as well, but it's tough to learn from our minds because they just go so quickly. Yeah. And which is a huge part of my practice as a teacher and as a student um, is to be aware of what's going on in that moment. And that's the importance of the breath. Yeah. Well, the awareness to me is, is the big thing. You know, we are, it's, I guess it's cliche, um, the breath. And I, I want to talk about that also, but I, I'm just thinking about you saying the word awareness. I mean, there's so many things that are taking us away from actually being aware of what's really going on. And, um, you know, I say this when I teach at the end of class and, and, you know, I think responsibilities, distractions, um, Instagram, what other people are doing, expectations, um, these things all get in the way of your awareness and what's really going on inside of your head. You know, what, you know, when you reach 20, 30, 40, um, there's sort of these expectations of how you're supposed to be. And then when you look at Instagram all day and see what everybody else is doing, I feel like that builds up and adds more expectations on how your life should be. And all of this really gets in the way of awareness and what's really going on. And then 
the way to tap, the way to tap into the breath that you said, and I know a little bit about the limbs, but they talk about the kalishas and how those are like, those are the distractions. And, um, dharana is about concentration and sitting still. So we can ultimately reach samadhi, which I believe is contentment. And that way we can actually sit still and listen to the breath and then also listen to the voices inside of our head, which could be desire, which could be things that you are still wanting with your life. And it's really freaking difficult to get to that space, not only in an hour, hour and a half yoga class, but every fucking day because, you know, the world is just throwing shit at us every freaking moment of the day. And so it all starts with the breath and somehow trying to connect with that, um, whether it's in the yoga class or before you go to bed at night. I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts? There was a long period of time in my life where I was doing as many activities as I could that caused presence because that's when we are truly living um, is when we are present to what we are experiencing in each and any given moment. Um, and that includes mind activity. It's extremely difficult, but it's also a practice. And we do happen to live in an environment where there are a multitude of distractions constantly firing at us all the time. But we can also use these distractions as a means to become aware of what ours are Hmm. because you'll see patterns. So we get to observe our patterns or samskaras and observe. Is that in alignment with may all beings live with peace and happiness. But then what happens after you observe? Like then you practice. And practice the action to change? Well, it depends on what is the intention, really. Yeah. Like do you want to change or do you just want to look? I mean, usually when we become aware of thoughts, we'll just stick with. When we become aware of our thoughts, the awareness steps in and you are no longer your thought. So then the change is inevitable. Hmm. It's already changing. And awareness doesn't have, you know, awareness can have intention, but bringing awareness into where there wasn't, it just is. You start to increase that by practicing yoga or other things that, cause the awareness of what you're doing in the yoga practice we use the breath because the breath is always happening right now and when you connect the breath to the bandhas the movement of the body and then you connect it to the jersey the gaze where our focus is you have awareness in all that you're doing that's that pratyahara practice of turning the senses within learning how to feel what's going on internally right listen to what's going on internally see what's going on internally and then we become aware of all that we do and how we do them 
And because awareness, when we turn it inward, it then expands outward in all that we do, in all expressions of us. As you DJ, as you go into the studio, as you teach classes, as you do all the things that you do, you are doing it through you. So it's turning it within is how we can change what's going on without. By observing what's going on without, do we get to learn what we need to bring within? Right. Because you see the patterns. Oh, I'm always distracted by this. I'm always distracted by that. (laughs) Money. You know, the hot chicks, the successful dudes that are doing the white collar thing, whatever it is that is that you don't have that is causing you to be distracted by it. Is that in alignment with peace and happiness for all? And it's hard, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard. It's that's really why hard. the time spent in practice, that's why I say we don't have enough time. Because and that's why my classes are getting longer. Because why not spend two hours a day doing something that will build awareness and shine through everything you do? Why not spend two hours doing that? Yeah. It has changed my life in all ways. And it will continue to do so. It's challenging and more challenging at other times, you know? It's the way that it goes. I'm thinking about, this isn't, I'm trying, well, I don't mean to be, um, let me just say it. I was going to yoga every day. And I went to yoga class at, um, doesn't matter, I went to yoga works all the time. But I felt as though, I mean, I was going literally to class six times a week. I was obsessed. Like, I I had to go or else my day felt, I, I just felt weird. Um, and it almost felt like an addiction in a weird sort of way. And I got to the point where I didn't like that I had to drive 30, 40 minutes to class. Some, some of these classes, you know, they freaking get so fucking crowded that you have to get there like 30, 40 minutes in advance to just get a fucking spot. I mean, and then it would take a 20 minutes. It ended up being like a three hour fucking ordeal to go to class. And I'm like, and I started DJing and I got more gigs and I had to practice my DJing. Um, Something else happened in my life where I, I, I just was, it was just, it was taking, I felt, I felt stuck in a weird sort of way. I didn't like that I had to go to class. And that was another reason why I wanted to do a teacher training because I wanted to be able to do yoga at home. That's what was another reason why I was DJing like three times a week. I had to practice because I got these gigs before I really thought I was particularly very good. I mean, I got into DJing because people weren't paying for you know music and albums anymore, but restaurants and bars are still paying like a good money to DJ. But I, I had to like fucking learn this shit fast because I was like I did well 
uh, my first couple gigs and I kept getting more gigs and I'm like, shit, I need to get better fast because somebody's going to find out that I'm actually just not very good at this. But, um, I, so I stopped going to class and I like started going to, you know, I practiced at home. I went to, you know, these hit classes and I started only going to yoga like a few times a week. And I actually felt better in a weird sort of way. Like I didn't like the fact I'm not trying to be annoying. Cause obviously I get what you're talking about. I mean, I didn't have a strong home practice, but I was sort of, I had to do yoga every day or else I felt like I was messed up. I was even going twice a day sometimes. So I I don't know my point yet. All I know is that I actually felt more evolution and change and and, and more creative development and life change when I actually stopped going so much and started experiencing, you know, other types of things other than for whether it's for exercise or for meditation, I felt more growth when I actually stopped doing yoga all the time and added new things to my life. I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to be devil's advocate to your point. I think both work. I mean, what, what are you thinking as I say this story? I think everybody's got their own journey. Yeah. Not everybody's going to be on the same one. I practice yoga because to be honest, it's because of my family and it's because of my students. I know I am the best expression of a father I can be when I practice. Um, I'm the best expression of a friend. I'm the best expression of a teacher when I practice. It allows me the space to do everything. Yeah. You know, I work on things that I'm going through with my practice through intention. Um, But I get on the mat for my family and for my students, really, Um, because I hold them, especially my daughters, I hold them higher than I. Yeah. So, and I know I'm my best expression while I'm practicing because I get to get go through the stuff. You know, the second thing that happened to me in my yoga journey... I'm glad you brought that up because I I did not forget about that. Is... So I started teaching, right? I got the the teacher training. Um, I went through it with Tamal. Right. Like maybe the day before graduation. And I had already started teaching privately for friends. As soon as I went through, I was going through the teacher training. As soon as I went through the safety portion of Tamal's training. Sure. I started teaching privately for friends for free just to build experience. And so I would, I would go, I wasn't working at the time. This is what I was doing. I was going to teacher training and it wasn't every day, all day. So I was practicing. Once I started the teacher training, I started going six days a week, committed, done. Um, And then I started, uh, lost where I was going with that. Well, your second, uh, second big reason why. Yeah. I had been teaching for a while. Oh, second day, the day before I graduated, I was offered classes at the, at the yoga studio that I was 
attending for tomorrow's teacher training. Oh, okay. They offered me three classes, a Sunday morning class, and I think it was a Tuesday, Thursday morning class. Started teaching those, uh, started getting um, classes at other studios pretty quickly. Um, And I started to notice that my practice wasn't, it wasn't something shifted like it wasn't giving me something. I wasn't getting something. So I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. So I started going to all the different teachers in town again, going to all the advanced classes. You know, the three, four classes were just doing handstands the whole time. Right. And I would come out of them like, oh, that's not it. And then I was told about Ashtanga. And somebody mentioned it, and I said, no, I like my flow classes, the music, it's good, and the set sequence it's not for me so come check it out okay all right so i went to my first ashtanga class walked in it was a mysore class so everybody was already starting they were doing their own practice and i walked in teacher obviously never seen me before so she walked right up to me it was sonia hanlon at yoga works on montana she was teaching the afternoon program and she introduced herself, asked her about my practice. I told her I've been teaching for, I think it was less than a year, a little less than a year I'd been teaching a couple studios around town. She goes, okay, great. Let's close your eyes and let's hear your ujjayi. Stay here until I get back, until I tell you to do something else. I said, okay. Closed my eyes and just started breathing. And about 15 minutes she let me sit, stand there. Uh-huh. And she came back and she said, okay, let's begin. And she moved me through Surya Namaskar A and B, some of standing sequence. I think she gave me a little bit extra because I had already had a pre-existing practice of like, I think eight years by this point, seven or eight years I've been practicing. And the last year has been six days a week, a little plus. Right. <clears throat> So she gave me a little more. Walked out of the class and said, that was it. Yeah. And I started going five days a week immediately. To Ashtanga. To Ashtanga. And a few months in, uh, she had asked me if I would sub for her or assist her, if I would be interested in, in assisting her. I said, Yes. So she moved me through primary series, um, and then I started assisting her. So then I started assisting her once or twice a week. Um, she, you know, would teach me how to do the adjustments. She did the opening chant, you know, the rhythm of the Mysore room. Um, and then she asked if I would sub for her. And at the time, I thought you couldn't sub at Yoga Works unless you had gone through the Yoga Works sure. teacher training. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I heard. And she said, "Well, Ashtanga is different. In Ashtanga, it's up to the teacher who will precede them or succeed them." So um, I said, "Okay, yeah, I'd love to." Yeah. So I had a meeting with the manager. The manager said, okay, great. Here's the paperwork, sign this, but bam. Oh, what other classes do you want to sub? Wow. And I said, oh, I didn't, I didn't know I could. She goes, yeah, what classes, what other classes would you like to sub? I said, oh, well. 
I've been teaching for, you know, maybe two years at this point. Um, maybe a little less. And I said, well, I'll teach this class and that class and this class. She said, okay, great. And as soon as that got out, a few of the people that I had known from the Ashtanga room that were already teachers said, asked if I would sub for them. And I said, absolutely. It was um, a good opportunity, so I couldn't say no. Yeah. So obviously I said yes, taught the classes. They went well, started getting more calls to some classes and I'm saying yes sure <laughs> of course you are yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I get a call from a woman at the corporate office saying Sean I know you're supposed to sub this week I'm so sorry we can't have you sub the vinyasa classes because there are lots of teachers for yoga works that have been 500 hour yoga works trained that are getting these calls that you are getting yeah so we can't allow you to sub those classes any longer. Uh, the Ashtanga classes, all good, but can't do that. Yeah. And I said, all good. I totally get it. I didn't think so anyways, but I was offered, so I just kept going with it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no problem. Yeah. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. I totally understand. I wouldn't want to take that away. Right. You know, I'll sub the Ashtanga classes. She said, great. However... If you'd like to teach the vinyasa classes, we'll offer you the training uh-huh. in, you know, with the agreement that you'll teach for us afterwards. Right. And I obviously said yes. Of course. Of course. So I did the teacher training for Yoga Works and started teaching. And Got more classes, kept saying yes. I remember the um, first time I took your class. It was at Main Street. You were subbing for Vitas. And I remember Rena, who um, I just, I know from yoga, and you probably, you knew her from Ashtanga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember, like, give me, it, it sucks being the sub, first of all. This is, it does. Yeah, I mean, there's it's so the much worst. I could talk to you about. I need a, this, interview was scheduled, this, inter, this interview was scheduled for 12 hours, and we're trying yeah. to condense it to like less than like two. But no, it sucks being the sub, because everybody's expecting... It's just like high school or freaking middle school, you know? Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's always the most uncomfortable teaching experience, because half the people didn't know you were going to be walking in the door. Right. So when you walk up to the front and introduce yourself... Half of the faces are completely shocked. The other half knew you were going to be there as they walked in the door, so they don't really want you there either. Right. And maybe there's a few people that are there to practice with you, but at the very beginning, that was zero. And this is the thing. You're, you know, people are obsessed with their yoga teacher. I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of what you experienced in second grade, you know, if... Um, well, no, it's not because when the substitute teacher was there, you were actually excited because you could always get away with shit when the substitute yeah. teacher was there. So, yeah. but I'm trying to give the analogy. I mean, this is so much, but it's it's multiplying expectations times a hundred because it's like people love their yoga teacher, yeah, and, you know, or they can. It, it it can be this really strong connection where you just. 
you know what you're getting into for the next hour and a half or an hour. And and when the sub walks in, it like fucking anything goes, you yeah. just don't know. And just yeah. like me, you know, I was talking about how like, you know, I'm driving a half hour. Like a lot of times yoga is like your one thing that you had all day where it's just you, you know what you're getting into. And then all of a sudden the fucking sub shows up and you're like, Oh fuck, this sucks. The subs here. And then you don't know like what's going to happen. But I, I mean, I remember Rena was like, oh, my God, Sean Gray, he's subbing. You have to take this guy's class. There was this energy when you taught that I just hadn't experienced before with the teacher. Um You just had a huge smile on your face. And I, it, it, and even in the South Bay where you teach, and I used to take your class pretty regularly, um, you had this energy right away that, that, and I talk about this when I teach. I mean, we all have energy, you know, it, it's, and it becomes apparent to me, you know, if there, I've, I've taught class where there's only one person in there, and then I've taught, you know, there's 15, 20. I, I think that's been the most I've had. But, you know, you, your energy, your smile and, and the way you sat at the front and introduced yourself and, um, you know, I was hooked. I really, really enjoyed what you did that first class and I kept going and um, I, I, I can see why people, why she was excited about you teaching and, um And yeah, I, I, I just, I, it's just funny how certain moments stick out in the brain and the memory. And um, I'm sure you remember that first. You know exactly the day that I'm talking about. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. No, but I'm <laughs> sure like, well, Main Street's like, you know, a big studio in, in Santa Monica. And, you know, being able to teach there is, is like sort of a, a, I don't I don't know what the word is. It's not like it's an... I don't know. It's just like Santa Monica is, is sort of like the yoga capital of the world or something. Well, how does it feel actually, you know, to teach yoga in, in such a competitive, like there's fucking yoga teachers everywhere. I mean, it's like Starbucks next door to the yoga studio. What, what is, what is that? What is, I mean, you have to think about it. I mean, I'm sure you do. Yeah. I, there are lots of yoga teachers here. Lots of studios. I think what is important is you, you know, teach what you practice. You teach what you are experiencing. Um, you know, you be present to what the class is doing. Um, you just be yourself and. Be authentic and just teach you. you know, it's it's hard. It takes a while to really develop your expression. It's just like anything we do. You know, it takes you learn a new language. You make mistakes here and there. And then you start to get the conjugation of the verbs. And well, I said this though before we start interviewing. You know, I'm, I'm there's a studio that um, I'm. I guess I'm training with, I don't want to say the name of it yet. I don't want to jinx myself, but I should, I'm hopefully going to get a, a gig teaching there soon. 
Um, I think sometimes, though, your energy can be intimidating or uncomfortable or um, there is sort of a, a depth. Like, I don't think people want to, you know, think too much. They just sort of want to go in, do their yoga and get out. Um, am I making sense or? Yeah, you make total sense. I think it's a, a little different. Um, I think people go to certain types of classes and do certain types of things that allow them to, their minds to do nothing but think. Um, I what, think what the reason mean? why my class can be intimidating or scary or uncomfortable, as you say, which I'm completely aware of. Sure. Uh, it's a part of the practice. Um, but I think a part of that reason is because I'm asking my classes to stop thinking so much, to think less. We come from uh, a culture that rewards thinkers. Hmm. You know, the, the strong thinkers uh, in school get the best schools. They get the awards. The strong thinkers get the higher paying gigs. Strong thinkers are valued in this culture. The practice in India, at least my experience with it while I spent the month there that I did, not definitely not long enough, but long enough to have an experience. And what I gathered and observed there was it's more about the feeling, the experience of it, not what we think of it. Because hmm. we can spend our whole time thinking, but the Indians. And at least, once again, what I gathered while I was there, it's about the, the feeling of the experience in a much more subtle way. And, you know, because there's feeling of the physical experience. Then there's the feeling of the emotional experience. And then there's the feeling of the, you know, energetic experience. I mean, there's yeah really any type of feeling because we turn those senses inwards because we all have that ability. Um, it's just much different here. And, and I was, you know, I did it as well. I practice it as well. We think about how we're feeling. Our culture even does that. We think about how we're feeling and which I believe kicks in judgment, which is a part of, you know, everything that we're talking about, discussing about where our culture is, where the pop culture is, where most people's distractions are, where their happinesses may be, where there are their true authentic expressions, where the falsehoods, you know, all of this stuff is about, it's, you know, it's about what's going on. Yeah. What's going on right now? What we are doing within our practice is, you know, we're feeling what's going on. 
And when we think about what we feel, we cast the judgment. When we cast the judgment, we create duality. When we have duality, there's a divide. And oftentimes that divide grows larger into where we get to a place of a divide where not only it's so far, but that person over there is the enemy. Hmm. And that creates this, you know, this overthinking of things. But if you just sit down and like, Take a deep breath and see how you're feeling in this moment. You might realize it's not that bad. And then you get to say, okay, I want to create more moments that I just enjoy like this. Yeah. And how do I do that? Well, what I did is I drew up my week. I literally sat down with a big piece of paper and drew up everything that I did every day throughout the week. Okay. This can go, I can go, right. can go, this can go, that can go. What do I want to do throughout the week? Here are my commitments. This is what I have to do. Here are the things I want to do for pleasure. Here are the things that I'd like to integrate into what I'm doing. Here are the things that I, tasks I need to do. I, I literally do this. I have one of these at home right now. Yeah. And I look at where I spend my time and where I can shift things to make it where more my responsibilities are seen to my own self-care practices are seen to uh, I'm integrating the things that I want to do more like play more guitar yeah you know into read more integrating things you know cuz this is our time this is our time to do this this is our time to live yeah you know the practice allows us the space to see how we are living, is this where we want to be living? And then it gives us the opportunity to shift that if we care to. Not everybody wants to. Not everybody's going to. Not everybody wants to see that side. Not everybody wants to have those realizations because it's hard work. Yeah. It's not easy. No. I tell people all the time, you know, the life of a yogi is not an easy life because you're Constantly going to change, constantly going to learn, uncover, you know, have uncomfortable experiences that we're causing. And then we realize that we're the cause of all of our uncomfortable discomfort. Yeah. So, you know, so it's, it's not easy, which is what I think to your previous question is what can be intimidating because I'm not there to make it easy. You know, we, we're going to get to it. We're going to really dive into it and we're going to get into the physical. We're going to get into the energy. We're going to get into the emotions of things, how we relate to things, to each pose. And we're going to get into our karma and our dharma, how we do things. We're going to move through the limbs. There's so much work to do. Where do we begin? And that's what's so impressive is that you, you have the whole, you bring the whole gamut. You have the whole, um, the, the whole pie, the whole picture, it's all there. It's the physical, it's the mental, it's the history, it's the bandhas, it's the, the limbs. Um, it's, it's the chakras, it's, it's the nadis. It's everything. It's the, it's and everything. so you've it's really studied all of this. <sighs> no, but it really is pretty impressive because I, I mean, I... You know, and let me answer that because this is an important point. Um and, you know, it's, it's, there's so much to do. And 
the yoga practice gives us the opportunity to do something every day. We have the opportunity to practice something every day. Yeah. You know, we have, you know, we'll say six days a week to practice. We should have one day of rest. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a yoga practice. Sure. It's like not taking shavasana. If you practice seven days a week, it's like not taking a shavasana, which right. everybody should take. Yeah. It's very important. So the six days a week that we have, we have six opportunities to practice something different. Or practice something the same and really work on it for all six days or 12 days or 18 days or however many days that you need to work on it in order to either transcend it, release it, strengthen it, whatever it is that you are doing that day or those days. So, you know, I learned at the very beginning of my practice a very valuable lesson that also opened me up to so many more lessons that I had learned throughout the years. And it was how the practice was an opportunity for me to see how I was doing things because we all have one way of doing things. Sure. That's our way. We practice it the same way that we work, the same way we relate to our friends and loved ones. And it's the same way we do our hobbies, the same way that we drive. It's, we do everything one way, our way. So it gives us the opportunity to see what that way is. And then it gives us the opportunity to change it hmm. the very next day. And then do it again if you need to. So it, it, it allows the space for that constant change and learning. And... Um, it's just, it's so important to have that time. So if that took me, I remember it was one of my earlier lessons in my practice. And I think it took me six or seven classes before I learned that I didn't have integrity with my practice. Basically, hmm. it took me six or seven practices because through the practice really quick, it was my first lesson. I realized I was doing throughout the practice. I was starting at 110%, 110 going lower, reaching higher, yeah, you know, doing everything more. And then I would get worked and, you know, I would think, you know, you deserve a break. <laughs> yeah. You've been working hard. It's yoga. You can take a break, take a break. So I dropped down, take a child's pose, be about to come back up, back at it. Yeah. Right. Through practice, I realized I was doing that every class, same place, same reason. Yeah. And I remember it because it hit me. Holy shit. I do everything like this. I take everything on because I do everything at 110%. So I, I take it on. I work really hard. And then when it gets too uncomfortable and we're not going the way that I want to, I have a really good reason to back off. Right. I've been working harder than you. <laughs> I deserve a break. I'm taking a break. And so I learned that I didn't have integrity with that. I wasn't integrity. And integrity was important to me at the time. Probably because <laughs> a lack thereof. Yeah. So I learned that I didn't have integrity. But then the next day in practice, it gave me the opportunity to change that. And so it didn't. So I started to build this integrity with my practice. So the practice showed me where there was a lack of integrity. And then every day that followed gave me the opportunity to practice integrity. 
Because that very next day, I still started things at 110%. And wouldn't you know, Yeah. right along the way, a voice pops back in my head, you've been working really hard. Yeah, but we need you deserve people. A break. But we need people like that, though. You know, I mean, I I get what you're saying, but but um, it wasn't integrous to how I was already doing things because that was not my intention. Right. My intention. My I had an ego, and the ego was like, <laughs> if that sixty year old woman can do it, and she's killing it. Yeah. And I think I'm killing myself right now. I think right. I'm dying. Yeah. And I'm 25. Right. Like, hell no. You know, so the ego would play well, with me a bit, but I did use it as an advantage. Yeah. But the reason why I find it important is because it gave me the opportunity to practice something. It feels to me like you just kind of do your thing. <laughs> no, but like, you know. No, I'm laughing because it's true. And I think that was a very, that's much nicer than some of the people in my life say it. <laughs> well, yeah. But yes, I, I do kind of do my own thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's my thing to do. Um, I'm not causing harm. I am doing a, the practice to make sure that all of my thoughts, words, and actions are in alignment with my highest potential. It, I, but I also brought it up just comparing you. Not, I, we don't have to get into names or anything, but I, you know, you just, you stand out as a yoga teacher to me. There's, um, you know, there's a lot of studios where they want a very specific style, um, whether it's the hot yoga studios, um, you know, people, it's, it's almost, and I've said this in previous pod, podcasts. The thing that I have an issue with Instagram and I, I swear I'm going to get back to your point of you doing your own thing. It almost feels like we're all becoming the same. We're doing the same thing. We're incapable. It's almost like the world wants us to be the same because you can't really criticize anything anymore because if you do, then you know, you're a, a hater or, or you're susceptible for criticism. Um, And if you do something different on Instagram or, or, you know, the, the people that are doing something different, it's, it's, it feels inauthentic. It almost feels like they're doing something different just to be different or to like to stand out or be loud, get attention because they know that you barely have any time to get somebody's attention these days because everybody's doing their brain is like, brainwashed into doing what everybody else is doing. And I feel like, you know, you could be doing what everybody else is doing, but you're not, but I don't, I, it doesn't come across as being stubborn again. I mean, I know you okay, but I don't, I don't, um, but that's just the vibe I'm getting that, that you, I mean, we all can just sort of fall into that trap of doing what everybody else is doing and it's safe and it's comfortable and we want to be liked by everybody, you know, um, literally and figuratively. Um, cause it feels good to be liked, but, um, I feel like it's more, you know, one of my friends, it's okay if people don't like you, as long as you're not an asshole and you're not hurting people, if you're like true to you and doing 
you and not putting on a charade. There's a lot of value in that. And that's, I mean, when I said that you do you or you do your own thing, I mean, I didn't mean it in sort of a stubborn sort of uh, fuck everybody else. I'm just doing me. But it's, it's just, it's refreshing to be around somebody who, you know, is, is doing them. It's like is following their, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to sound cliche, but just, it seems to be that you're, you know, you're trying to do what, what feels right or, um, feels like it's you and it's not some brainwashed shit that everybody else thinks you should be doing. Well, it's, you know, what I find is important is authenticity. Yeah. And, and that's kind of why I wanted to start the show because I got a little sick and tired of all the bullshit that's going on. And I can probably say that because I'm just started out as a yoga teacher, so I don't have anything to lose really yet. But I did get sick and tired of all the bullshit, whether it's, you know, the yoga community or just life in general, people caring about shit that it's like our culture became obsessed with, you know, Paris Hilton and all these reality shows. I mean, the trend started a long time ago, but now we have the potential to sort of create our own reality show. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so when I see that you don't use Instagram like everybody else does, don't take it seriously. You're not relying on it. Um, It just feels like there's bigger, you know, stories to be told. Yeah. I, I have, like I said, I have a life that I get to enjoy a lot. And, you know, I have uh, an almost four-year-old daughter that takes up a lot of my time, and she is not going to be this small ever again. Yeah. Are you worried about the world that she's getting into? Or, or, Or not that you're worried, but how are you going to manage that? I can't manage the world. <laughs> that's a good answer, right? Okay. Yeah, because that's the thing. This isn't changing. It's going to get, it's, I mean, we're, it's going. Yeah, it's, and it, it's, it's already in motion. Um, what I can practice is managing my interactions with it. And, you know, my experience of life and those that I choose to spend it with. Yeah, but how does it connect with your daughter in the sense that, I mean, I have a friend who, his daughter now is like 16 or 17, but boy, he wanted her to hold on to that that spirit that like isn't affected by our culture as long as possible. Well, it's because we've all had those hard lessons in life when you realize how shitty things are sometimes. Yeah. And it's disheartening. You know, we have them every once in a while throughout life. And it's a part of the experience. I do believe in karma. Hmm. And I do believe that, you know, we are co-creators in our destiny. Um, I think there are other things at play that also help design our life. You can see what's going on with your subconscious mind 
But I do believe, anyways, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Uh, I do believe in karma, and I believe that we all have our lives to live. What I can do as a parent, yeah, I would love for Sequoia to stay this beautiful, innocent little angel that just sees nothing but love and light and laughter her entire life. But that's not my job. Yeah. My job is to provide her with the tools to have a life filled with happiness and harmony and challenges, but moving through these challenges, you know, giving her the tools to move through life. Um, I can't protect her all the time, every day, forever. And that's okay. It's not my job. Yeah. I, you know, give her the tools as well as, you know, keep her fed and sheltered and <laughs> yeah. those things. But it's how do we engage with the world? How do we engage with one another? And, you know, the whole duality aspect of life is, you know, once again, I think a whole other conversation, but it, you know, it's a part of life. Yeah. And this is where we live by choice. We can go somewhere else, you know, on the planet. And, but we choose to be here. You know, I can catch myself, you know, griping about traffic and this and that and all these things. But at the end of the day, I choose to be here. So how do I make the experience? And that's another thing that the yoga practice teaches, or at least has taught me, is you know, we're choosing to be in this asana. You know, I'll just say twisting half moon because everybody, well, not everybody. I'm going to find out that there are the rare few people that like twisting half moon. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> but yet I seem to find myself in it every time I go take a vinyasa class. Yeah. And I'm doing it. I'm not coming out of it. Choosing it. So might as well engage with it and see where I can thrive within it. And then how can that, you know, build awareness and how I thrive in all uncomfortable situations where the breath is being challenged, my body is being challenged, my mind is being challenged. You know, how do I not only be within it, thrive within it? Yeah. And that's what I think life is all about. How can I thrive within this moment? And there's a book that I read that said, we're only aware of 2 to 5% of our thoughts at best. What that I, I want to ask my, this has become a, uh, it's going to become a pattern for my show. Um, before we say goodnight, what's, what's this, I was going to ask what you're reading. So maybe what, what's the book you're reading right now? And then what's the book that you're referring to? Because nobody, I'm trying to get people to, I'm trying to inspire people to read. Yeah. <laughs> besides like, to besides little Instagram uh, posts. My reading has definitely slowed, but uh, the book that I'm referring to is The Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. Okay. Um, he's a biologist that breaks down how ultimately what we believe shifts our DNA. Hmm. It's a great book because he's a biologist. So most of the book, I listened to it on CD. 
Um, but I'm sure they have all types of audio and yeah. other versions. Uh, well, I've thought about the other thing that I've thought about is we are what we consume. What we bring in. Yes. What we allow in. Absolutely. And so if you're consuming, um, you know, the, the nonsense. It's what it, are we bringing in through our senses, and it, yeah, through, through our actions, through, I mean, it's everything. Through what we eat, through the music we listen to, the conversations we have, the books that we read, the shows that we watch. Yeah. I've just become more aware I mean, of it's it's everything is what do you allow in? Yeah. And I think that's really to me that's now more than ever the awareness of what we're consuming or allowing in is more important than ever. We don't know what's news and what's, you know, an opinion piece. We don't know what's real and what's not and what's an advertisement and if if somebody's really happy or really depressed. We always seem so surprised if somebody you know, has left our earth before we anticipated. I mean, I think we don't know what's true anymore. We don't know. We're not aware of what we're taking in and how much it affects who we are. Um, whether it's through yoga, meditation, you know, exercise. I think we're at a point right now where we have to be really careful and really aware of what we're taking in. Yeah. Um, I honestly think once something is spoken or done, it is real. And that's the thing. Why I don't think I our... take everything as truth. Hmm. Everything is truth. Cause we don't really, our brains, I don't think know what the difference is. We, our brain processes everything, whether it's the spoken words the pictures, the news, it takes it in as truth. Then we all, we have to be so good at discerning, like, is it true or not? Or how, you know, what's, how do we know how to absorb it? I guess I'm trying to say. Um, I, I, to me, it's about observing and That's about it. You know, when I see things, when I read things, I try not to spend my time deciding if it's true or not. Okay. Personally, I kind of take everything as truth. It's what's being said. And once you bring things to awareness, you've the creation. It's, right. It, there it is. You can't unsay what has been said. And everything that we say affects everybody that hears it. Right. So, you know, it reminds me of why. The question why. The question why is... It, it's as if we just want to know what a, what to point our finger at. Hmm. Yeah. So then we feel better by being able to cast judgment on what has caused this this discomfort that we're experiencing. Why 
you know, especially with things that have happened, like even things in my body and my practice. Why is my shoulder hurting? Why does this keep happening to me? Why did that happen to me? And it, it almost puts judgment on it or gives the space. It's looking for the space to be able to cast judgment on something. So then we feel better about the discomfort that we're experiencing. Instead of just accepting that experience that we are having hmm, as the truth of what is happening, what has happened, it almost takes judgment off of it. Yeah. And then it's just, what is? There's no label. There's no commentary on... And if that's that person's truth, fantastic. I hope you're in alignment with yourself. I think the difference between you and me, subtly, is that you're accepting to it. I just, I think it's having a, a cult. I think it's, it's impacting our culture because we don't know. I mean, it's not up to us to determine if, if, if something is true. Well, I know but, what you're getting at. Our time right now in our culture, we really need to find some things out because we need to know the truth about certain things. And unfortunately, when you want to know about the truth about certain things, you want to end up knowing the truth about all things. Because once again, how we do one thing is how we do everything. Yes. It's how we do things. So if you're searching for the truth, you're searching for the truth in everything. Our culture is digging up truths right now that are revealing some very dark things about our culture and about the people that run it and what's happening. And you know, just where the state of our species is, you know, it's, so we're, the truth is important right now. Yeah. Um, so I, it's, it's, it's clear to me the, the, the need for it, but in our own personal experience of moment to moment life, the truth is everything's the truth. It's just what is. Yeah. This is my truth. That's your truth. That's this microphone's truth. <laughs> That's that empty beer bottle's truth. <laughs> That's a horrible truth. <laughs> right. Um, but it's all true. And we don't have to cast judgment on things because once that just creates more duality. And it's the duality that keeps us in this like, like cycle. Yeah. Where can um, people experience your class? I teach publicly at Yoga Works in El Segundo on Saturday and Sunday mornings. 10.45? 10.45. Yep. The Sunday class is a two-hour practice. No music. The Saturday class is a 90-minute class with music. Oh, so you don't, have the, you don't have music on your Sunday class now? No. Okay. And then I also teach a free community class at the Patagonia store in Santa Monica. Cool. Every Sunday, 9 to 10 a.m. It's a free class. Just bring your mat. And I want to close also, the other thing that makes you a real yoga teacher is you you do these big retreats every year. Um, My website, um, on Instagram, it's just Sean Gray. Sean Gray Yoga. G-R-A-Y or Sean Gray Yoga. But you're going to, and I always, and I said this before we started the interview, 
I'm just making sure we're okay with time because I've got a little bit left on here. Um, the sign of a good yoga teacher to me is also somebody who can get a lot of people to go with them on a retreat because um, it's, you're, you're around that person, not just for the three, four hours that you do yoga, you're around them a lot. So to me, it's a, it's a compliment that every year you do these, sometimes a couple times a year, you do these big retreats and there's you know, a lot of people that go and you're going to Indonesia in the next like month or two. Next month. So, you know, it might be too late to sign up for this one. Uh, I'm not, I think, it, but if you want to experience Sean, not just in a public class, but um, if you want to experience another culture or an amazing place, I think you said you're going to Nepal next year. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's somebody worth following and, and being aware of because, um, you know, he's got some cool things going on. He travels the world practicing yoga, teaching yoga. Um, and I, I just felt it was important to end, you know, letting people know that if they're not in Los Angeles, they can still, you're, you're, your website's going to be changing. You're going to be doing online classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say too much because I don't know what I can say, but... Well, there is a secret. Yeah, there's a couple <laughs> secrets. But, you know, between Instagram, the online classes, the classes in L.A., the uh, excursions, the um, the retreats, he's somebody worth paying attention to. And um, I, I'm just, it's, you know, I'll end by saying, and I talked about it on a couple of weeks ago, just the, the art of conversation without having a phone in front of you or, you know, having dinner and constantly looking at your phone. Um, I don't, I, I think the way that you get, I just, we grew up before Instagram, but the way that people got to know each other was through experience, whether it was going to their yoga class, having a beer or talking to them, you, you know, you get to know somebody now a lot of times through fucking Instagram or like the world that people create. And although that's a, a I guess it's a way to communicate and get to know somebody, um, to be able to sit down with you for like the last hour and a half and, and take your classes over the last year and a half or, you know, I mean, I haven't the last year, but I did before that for about a year and a half. Um, I mean, to me, this is what it's about. This is what, you know, it's about creating depth, connection, uh, experiences, and it doesn't have to be, you know, wow, that's the other thing. Nowadays, we feel like everything has to like knock us over the head and, and like scream at us to get our attention or to change our lives or to uh, impact us. But hanging out, talking, it can also have a really powerful impact. And this is still all new, creating the show and having conversations, but um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate the time that you've put into um, teaching yoga. You um, have a gift at teaching. You take it seriously. I know you're busy. Um, This podcast is still very young. I'm still trying to figure it out. But I wanted to connect and talk to people because I think the people in my life are pretty interesting. And I, I didn't mean pretty interesting in sort of a 
sort of a, you know, a half-assed blase sort of a way. I mean, like really interesting. And, you know, I watch these interview shows on television and I think to myself, you know, what's the difference between you and somebody who's like on fucking television on NBC or something, you know, it's like, it's, it's luck, it's chances, it's being in the right place, the right time. And I think the people in my life are, um, worth talking to and getting to know. And I know that you are busy as crazy hell, but it means a lot that you took the time to talk about what we've talked about. Thank you. And you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Is there (laughs) anything else you want to share? Anything? I tried to, you know, share all the stuff that you have going on. Is there anything else or, or no, no, that sounds about it. And, uh, thanks for having me and thanks for having the conversation. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it and maybe we'll do it again. Yeah. Let's, let's see what happens. (laughs) Well, um, Sean Gray, Sean Gray Yoga on Instagram. Um, another episode of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast in the books. And um, really appreciate you all listening. Thanks again to Sean. And uh, we'll see you soon. Hold, hold on, don't turn it oh, off yet. All right. We got to do an ohm, dude. <laughs> all right. I mean, we have this great equipment here. <laughs> and well, the room sounds really good. You lead it then. You lead we got to do an ohm. Yeah, but I think we should go a little away from the mic, just a little, because it might overwhelm the microphone. Because you also have a really strong sounding ohm. Right, let's see. How far away do you want me to go? Um, that's probably good. Is that good? Yeah. Okay, give it a little more. So we'll just end it with this. Yeah, we'll end cool. it with just one ohm. Let's do it, but you, you're you're definitely more pro than I am, so you lead it. I mean, well, this is what I do for a living. Right. I just do it as a side thing, one of the many things I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Here we go. Inhale. Thanks again, Sean. Thank you, Eddie.